morning. This is Attorney Vincent Davis, and you're on the talk radio show, Get Your Kids Back Now. The show's, this show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of this show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of this show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning. It's Saturday, uh, September 10th, 2016. And for our show today, I'm going to be focusing on a couple of items as well as taking calls from the listeners. The first thing that I want to mention um, today is on Monday, September 12th, 2016, um, there is going to be a trial starting in the Los Angeles Superior Court. The name of the case is Duval versus the County of Los Angeles and the number of uh, social workers that are that work for DCFS. This case involves, this case is being brought by attorney Sean McMillan uh, of San Diego, one of the gurus in suing social workers uh, throughout the state of California. In this case, Sean has amassed a trial team of former, I believe former Jerry Spence trial lawyers, college attorneys, and um, several attorneys who are graduates of the college and who also are members of uh, and experts at the TrojanHorseMethod.com. And these attorneys are expert trial attorneys, and I'm not sure what the county is thinking about in this case. Uh, they they haven't settled the case with these with um, Stuval and her attorneys, and I think they're going to be pounced on starting on Monday. Um, I really don't think the county has really thought about this case, and um, thought about what they're up against. They probably don't know. Um, I'm a spectator to the case, although I know Mr. McMillan, and I know some of the attorneys that are going to be assisting him on his trial team. And let me tell you, they're armed and ready to go. The case involves a woman who was whose children were taken from her, and um, the county uh, alleged that she had Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Um, for those of that you don't know, uh, Munchausen syndrome um, is recognized, or sometimes recognized, in the DSM, the Diagnostic Diagnostic Mental Disorder Manual, um, as a person who treats a child to psychological uh, illness uh, that uh, shows itself, where a person treats a child for medical problems that the child doesn't actually have. Many years ago, um, I was involved in a Munchausen syndrome by proxy case. Um, I represented the father and um, the alleged perpetrator in the case was the mother. And there's typical uh, uh, 
the typical Munchausen syndrome case involve, usually involves the perpetrator being a woman who's involved in the medical profession, and uh, they treat children for diseases or for illnesses they don't have. In this particular case, um, uh, I, I would have to say at the beginning, I, I really didn't believe um, you know, this type of syndrome would exist. But as the case progressed and as video evidence and as things that I saw, um, I, I firmly believe that this is an issue of possible trial abuse. But getting back to the lawsuit, in this particular case, it, it appears that the social workers never had any evidence um, to substantiate that Ms. Duval had Munchausen syndrome by proxy, took her children away from her, and um, I think gave the child to the father. I forget if the case involves one child or more than one child, but basically gave the kid uh, to the uh, to the father who Ms. Duval did not get along with and apparently still not does not get along with. And um, she never regained custody of her child. And uh, even to this day, she is having difficulties, from what I understand, in the family law court, getting custody back and, and getting um, uh, visitation. So it's an important case, in my opinion, and um, because it involves a woman who went to the juvenile court, lost her children on her child on false allegations, and never got her child back. And I think that um, if Mr. Uh, McMillan and his uh, trial team prevail in this case, it's going to send a message not only to uh, DCFS here in Los Angeles County, but uh, statewide and perhaps nationwide, that when social workers do something and they take their take people's children away from them, that they may have to answer for their uh, actions in a civil courtroom. The second thing, so good luck to Sean and that trial team. Um, Sean has been asking uh, folks on Facebook, by the way, uh, to attend that um, trial for moral support. And so he has invited the public to go and to watch that trial. You can um, get the details of the department. I think it's 83 or Department 87 in the Los Angeles Superior Court at 111 North Hill Street in Los Angeles, California. And I think the zip code is 90012. But you can find Sean on Facebook by uh, just searching for his name, Sean, S-H-A-W-N, McMillan, M-C-M-I-L-L-I-A-N. Hope I'm spelling that right, John. And you can find his public invitation to attend that trial for support. Uh, Monday starts uh, jury selection, and I think that um, it's something for everyone to see in the public, lawyers, parents, family members, to go down and watch this um, trial watch our system of justice in action, and watch uh, the county and social workers from Los Angeles County be held responsible for actions uh, that they did to this poor woman. Uh, the second thing that I want to talk to talk about this morning is a organization that I am helping to found. Um, we literally uh, just put up a construction page for the website. 
and the uh, name of the organization is FamilyLivesMatter.org. FamilyLivesMatter.org. And it is a website geared to uh, three things, but the main thing is it's geared to is to organizing people uh, on a national level, on a state level, and on a local level. And we want to organize these people to help them uh, make recommendations to each other with respect to voting, and that's voting for uh, federal legislators and Congress at the House of Representatives and the Senate levels. Also voting for state legislators who make laws that affect people and families in the juvenile courts throughout the country, and also to uh, vote in or out local judges um, who are making decisions about families and about children in the juvenile court system. Uh, in 1990, uh, an organization was started in uh, Los Angeles, and it was called Rock the Vote. And you can look it up on Wikipedia for its history and explanation of what it's done. But um, what it, it has done and what I believe um, FamilyLivesMatters.org can do is it can effectuate the change that we need in the laws and in the judges to help us keep families together. Um, I'm in the trenches every day in juvenile court, as is my law firm, and uh, the things that I see every day are, um, are, are things that uh, I'm, I'm just not going to stand around and watch anymore, as I have done so in the past. It's time to make a change and, and uh, keep these families together. Uh, right now, I'm going to take a call because we're starting to back up on the board here. Uh, the first call is from area code 619, ending in 14. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Hello, Mr. Davis. How are you? Good. Good morning. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Well, actually, um, I spoke with you last week, and I was want to uh, say thank you for the advice that you had given me. I was really um, quite quite the story to tell, and then but we, we went over it already a little last week. Uh, I was interested in Mr. McMillan because one of the things that you had mentioned um, when I spoke with you last week was that um, that you felt that well, when a CPS worker lies, or or, or when there's false allegations or false reports, that um, you know going to um, suing them. Uh, I, like I said, I don't have my son, and um, he's yet to spend the night with me. I was the non-offending parent, and um, I have had no dirty drug tests or had any reason for them to not uh, give me at least unsupervised visits yet. Uh, Mom has had, well, um, two months of, I guess, clean tests now. She's been granted super unsupervised visits, and I think that's great. I just don't understand as the non-offending parent why I wasn't um, or am not given that same uh, um, opportunity. And I was wondering if you maybe could uh, have an opinion on that as their reason. I do. I do. But I do have an opinion on it. My opinion is tempered um, by the fact that, of course, I haven't reviewed your legal file, but based upon the facts that you've told me, 
um, you're supposed to have custody of the child um, yes. if you're a non-offending parent. Um, I don't know who's representing you in the juvenile court, whether you have a private attorney or a court-appointed attorney, but this is something that you should immediately speak to uh, your attorney about uh, so that you can file the appropriate motions or petitions to get the child placed with you. Uh, let me ask you this. Is the child currently in foster care? Yes, he is. Okay. So, you know, what you have to do is you have to talk to your attorney immediately and uh, get these things on file so the child can be placed with you or placed with a friendly family member because, I mean, I don't want to alarm you, but, I mean, if you leave the way things are, you and the mother could possibly lose this child, lose custody of this child forever. I'm, I'm um, aware of that. If you're, you're not right. offending, if you're not offending, there's no reason why the child should be placed out of your care. You know, I, I vaguely remember speaking to you on the radio. Uh, are you the gentleman that has the, count, the case in San Diego, East County, in front of Judge Bobas? Yes, sir. I am. Okay. So I, I vaguely remember talking to you. Um, uh, and have you have you talked to your attorney since last week, since we talked? I've left a, a few messages, but I've had no uh, response from her. Um, I never get a response from her or the social worker, for that matter. <laughs> and um, it's just it's, it's very strange. Um, the whole situation is it's I, I don't understand really what's going on. And I, I agree with you that things need to be done immediately. And uh, there's just every time that I try to do things like that, even in the past, as soon as I, you know, initially they, when you, by someone's first taken, the first social worker said, you know, um, Ty, you need to go uh, and test today. And if you don't go test today, a drug test that was, if you don't test today, it'll be considered a dirty. I went, I took that test. It was clean. And they, and she said, in four days, you'll be going to take a DNA test. And so with the baby, I went and took the DNA test. They didn't send the baby for a DNA test. They waited until two days before the next court date before they did. Therefore, the results weren't in. And subsequently, when the results did come in, it was at the continued court date, 20 minutes before the hearing. And it's been that kind of a railroad show ever since. So. Well, this is what I want you to do. Do you live near the courthouse? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay. So on Monday, I want you to take your ID, your picture ID, and I want you to go to the clerk's office in that courthouse for the juvenile court. And I want you to ask for a copy of your file, which you are entitled to. You know, I've heard from a lot of people in different counties in California, especially the smaller counties, that when they go and they ask for their file, a copy of their file, that the, that the uh, clerk refuses to uh, to give them a copy. And if that happens to you, you need to call me immediately. But I want you to get a copy of your file. Then I want you to take it to Kinko's or someplace, have it scanned, and I want you to email it to me with a note asking me to review it and you know reminding me that we spoke on the radio show. And then um, you and I need to have a, a free consultation where I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do uh, so that you can get custody of your child. Okay? Yes, sir. I'll do that, Mr. Davis. Thank you very much. I, I certainly will. Uh, all righty. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
You know, I come across these cases. Sometimes I, I hear people tell me I'm not offending and I don't have my child. And, you know, although I haven't, I haven't reviewed the case file. I mean, if, if, if the guy's telling the truth and he's not offending, he's supposed to have custody of his, this is America. Um, and there's no reason for him not to have his child that I can think of unless there's something he's not telling me. So I'm going to take the next call. The next call is from area code 719, ending in 47. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. Oh, uh, hello. Can you hear me? I forgot. I can hear you loud and clear. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Hello, can you hear me? Hello, sir? I can hear you live on... Yes, I'm here. Okay. Um, hi. Um, my name is Melinda, and um, I came across your show. I just wanted to let you know that um, it was very interesting that you started out the call or the show talking about Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Um, I recently uh, enjoyed the return of my children after them having been um, removed from my husband and I after two and a half years. And um, the allegations were entirely false. It was something that happened at the hospital, at the children's hospital in Colorado Springs. And um, at any rate, I would like to, I guess the thing that really gets me right now is that how we were able to get the kids back in the end was we signed an agreement with my sister. Uh, DHS at one point, at a certain point, after 18 months, stepped out of it, is what they said. And um, we weren't sure what to do. And then, um, you know, I showed it to an attorney friend of mine here in Florida, which is where I live now. And um, she looked at it and she said, all that you and your sister have to do is come to an agreement to return the kids to you. And we ended up signing an agreement that said, we, the parties, um, agree that it's in the best interest of the children to return home to their biological parents and, and relocate to Florida. And that's what we did. And we got our kids back and it just, it was so easy. And I don't understand why it was so easy. We, we were bankrupted in the process of trying to get our kids back amidst these false allegations. I mean, we spent thousands of dollars on psychological evaluations, et cetera. And, um, now I have met many friends who um, have actually lost their kids, and I'm not sure what the mechanism was that permitted us to get our kids back that way. I'm not sure if it's because we refused to sign the consent and release form at the very, we refused to sign any of the paperwork from the very outset. And I'm just wondering, what is the importance of the consent and release form? They, they tried to jail me at a certain point for refusing to sign that form. And um, so obviously there was something very important about it, but I feel like it was the, our refusal to sign that paper is part of what allowed us to get our kids back. But, I mean, we didn't even have the paper notarized that, that had the kids return home to us. We just signed it amongst ourselves and they gave the kids back to us. That's very interesting. Now, you, you mentioned you at this time you were having a case in Colorado. Yes. And... You said something about, you know, the, the uh, corrupt judge is, I just wanted to say something about that also. I ended up finding that 
The judge that was involved in our case had a direct business relationship with one of the doctors who testified against me. Um, and they said that I, you know, that I had Munchausen syndrome by proxy also. I was not in the medical field, but I ended up becoming very educated about my son's condition. And I also had a blog where I wrote about, I wrote about the situation and I exposed the, the players and the judges and the caseworkers because I, I'm an investigative journalist. And, um, I found out lots of things about these, you know, the people that were involved. But, like, I found out that the judge in our, in our case was actually also pra practicing law in Telluride at the same time that he was sitting as a judge. And when I said these things, they, they made sure that I had almost no opportunity to get any of my statements on the record. But on the day that they were about to jail me for contempt of court for refusing to sign those documents, I sat on the stand and I said, that I had discovered the business, a business relationship between him and one of the doctors. And then I also said, um, well, I didn't say anything about knowing that he was also practicing. He was practicing as an attorney in Telluride, but he stepped down off of the bench. He didn't just step down off of our case or recuse himself. He ended up all of a sudden retiring the very next month. And so I'm just curious to, I mean, it just seems like a lot of it was for show. A lot of it was smoke and mirrors. And a lot of it, I mean, I want to be, I've always aspired to become an attorney, but now I'm 49 years old now and I am driven to become an attorney because it seemed like it was all contract law. It all seemed like it, when it came down to it, it was contract law. And if I had known how to defend myself from a contractual position, that none of this would have even happened. So I, I'm just curious to hear what you have to say about that. Well, I have to preface with what I have to say with, with the fact that um, I'm a licensed attorney in the state of California. I'm not licensed in Colorado. So, of course, I, I'm, I'm, it's illegal for me to give you legal advice, but I can tell you what I think. Um, I, I think that you probably got your children back because you wrote a blog and you just you've you know, disclosed a lot of things. You brought a lot of things to light that people didn't think were going to come to light. And I think that judge, um, that's no coincidence that that judge stepped down off of his case and then retired a month later. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, I have some relatives that live in Denver, but uh, I don't know anything about, uh, about um, Colorado law. What I would suggest that you do is that you talk to an attorney in Colorado. There is a possibility that you may, you and or your children may have substantial rights that have been violated and that you have civil, a civil rights action, at least under federal law, um, to, uh, to uh, sue some folks and, and perhaps be compensated for the loss of your children for two and a half years. Um, you know, and if you were accused of Munchausen syndrome by proxy, and if you didn't go undergo any treatment, and they suddenly gave your children back after two and a half years, something's wrong. Something's very funny about that. They didn't give my children back. My sister and I, I mean, they they allocated parental responsibilities to my sister, and um, and then they transferred it to a domestic relations case. And then the domestic relations case opened and closed it, without any further action from my sister and me. It was turned into not a case that was from DHS or the, 
the state of Colorado against me and my husband, who had been married for 25 years, by the way. And um, they they told my husband at a certain point, if you will divorce your wife, we'll give the kids back to you. And um, it was all, it just all was craziness. It, it was so crazy. But at any rate, um, we are so afraid of ever setting foot in a courthouse again. I mean, I... I would never take legal action against them or try to sue them in court without knowing that I had either the legal background to actually be able to represent myself or that I had the money to 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 retain an honest attorney, an honest attorney. The attorney that we had, the court-appointed counsel that we had was so corrupt. It was it was crazy all of the things that I found out that these people were involved in and um it's just a very ugly situation. But in the end, it was just an agreement between my sister. They, they, the domestic relations case, they designed it so that it was a case that was my sister versus me. And when I was able to explain to my sister that all we needed to do was come to an agreement that it was in the kid's best interest to return home to me, um, or to return home to my husband and me, we just signed this paper. I mean, I was able to enroll them in school. I, I, I don't know what happened for the past two and a half years. It just seemed like it was all for show. And I don't, I don't, I don't understand why some people have their, their parental rights actually severed and what mechanism allows them to sever it. And it just seems like in the end it comes down to that initial consent and release form. And I, my question specifically is about the consent and release form that they, that they get you to sign at the very beginning. If you sign that, you are consenting to the services to receive their services, and you are releasing them of all liability. And, um, but the way that they have it written is it's like I consent to, to it, they make it sound like it's an information sharing. I consent to allow you and I release this information, but that's not what the consent and release form actually is. And so I'm just so curious to hear what you have to say specifically about the consent and the release form at the very beginning. What does that enable the courts to do to you from that point? Because it's in a civil, it's in a civil courtroom. It was never in a criminal courtroom. I feel like parents would have more of a, a, a a chance to defend themselves in a criminal court than in the civil court because well, let, they just well, well let me answer your question because um i you know i can't say anything about colorado law i don't know anything okay. about a consent and release form they don't have that in california huh. there's no okay. such you know the, they don't have that particular um tool or document in the beginning of a juvenile dependency case in California, and I'm not familiar with um, uh, Colorado law, but I want to thank you for calling from Florida about your Colorado case. It's good to know that people from around the country are listening and uh, are, you know, it's somewhat comforting in a weird way that uh, knowing that the CPS and DCFS cases uh, are going astray all over the country. I really admire. I really admire you for um, 
doing what you're doing because I know that families all around the country are unable to find an attorney that will listen or that is even able to recognize. If they are able to recognize, they're ignoring the mass injustice that's going on and um, the laws that are not being followed. And I am 100% in support of, of your endeavors. And I know that you're trying to set up a blog and a, a, a website. I would be happy to help with that. And, and uh, anyway, I, I, like I said, I have a blog that's been up since 2009, and I have exposed it to Why don't you give us your blog address so that we can uh, all look at it? It is Spidras Web. It's S P Y D R A S W E B dot blogspot dot com spidersweb dot blogspot dot com that information and I'll be checking your blog out and uh, keep listening if you want to comment um, in the comments are I I check the comments before they actually go up there and if we are able to possibly make contact somehow outside of this forum that'd be great oh, I don't uh, need well, legal help anymore pen. but Okay. Yeah, I do have a pen. Grab a pen. I'll give you my contact information. Okay. I got it. Let me know when... Okay. I, my, uh, I have a pen. My office phone number... My office phone number is 888-888-6582. And you can email me directly at V, as in Vincent, at... <clears throat> vwdlaw.com that's v at vwdlaw.com thank you awesome. for your call ma'am and please keep in touch with us bye bye thank you <clears throat> okay I'm going to take another call right now uh, let's see it's from area code 619 ending in 83 Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. Did you have a story or a question? Um, I have both, actually. Um, I've, I've pretty much gone through the situation of having um, three false allegations against me. And this was a few months ago, and I actually was very persistent as far as you know, following up with, you know, didn't return calls. Um, they just tried to kind of like avoid the communication with me. And at that time, I wasn't able to see my daughters for 30 days. And um, their father wasn't allowing me to speak to them over the phone either. So I was trying to call them to report that because he wasn't really following, you know, what they had given him. And, um, Everything ended up getting closed out um, with the except well, everything got closed out. Two of them were closed as unfounded. The other one was closed as inconclusive um, regarding emotional. And um, basically, the father is having, you know, my daughters just say things in order to um, try to gain custody in a civil case that we have going on right now. And on Monday and Tuesday, I'm supposed to go back to court 
And um, I just received a subpoena last minute yesterday saying that they're having the worker come to the civil court as a witness. And I'm a little bit concerned about, okay. you know, how that can go, what are my rights. Okay, so what are um, what city and state are you in? Um, I'm in Linda Vista or San Diego, California. Okay, and you're going to a, a family law case uh, in in San Diego, correct? It's really in um, it's in Vista. That's where we originally started okay. the case. Okay, but that's in San Diego County, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So a social worker can be subpoenaed to the family law case uh, to testify either for or against you. Um, Some social workers come and they claim uh, that they can't testify under Welfare and Institutions Code Section 827, uh, but that's not actually correct, uh, and the family law judge can make them testify. And if you didn't subpoena the social worker, the other side did. And the reason why, they're hoping that the social worker will come in and testify to the investigation she did about uh, allegations of child abuse that were made against you and probably made against you by the father. Um, So it's great that two of the allegations were determined to be unfounded because you and your attorney can bring that out on examination or cross-examination of the social worker. And it's uh, pretty good that uh, the third allegation was found to be inconclusive so that there was no uh, evidence of child abuse found against you. So the three alternatives the social worker has is unfounded, inconclusive, and conclusive. So um, it sounds like that you're you're in a pretty good situation and you shouldn't worry too much from what you've told me so far about the social worker testifying. Just make sure that you and your attorney, when you examine the social worker, make sure that she states that two of the three allegations were totally unfounded and that one of them was inconclusive. So there is no finding of abuse against you. So in, in my opinion, and I don't know all the facts, of course, but in my opinion, now, one other told thing me, is the, this social worker is not going to, testimony is not going to hurt you. But go ahead. One of the things is what? Um, well, in the past, he's been trying very hard to um, get custody of the girls, and I think for like a financial benefit. And um, I have about 17 other unfounded calls you know, 17 other unfounded calls or investigations that have been made against me. And it's just Mm -hmm. scary when somebody keeps calling over and over and over again, you know, when you're getting, you know, three at the same time and stuff. And I just, I think he kind of approached my daughter that I name call them and, you know, it's simply not true. Right. Well, you know, you don't be surprised if the person that's calling over and over again or persons, you know, is the father or the father's proxies, um, you know, trying to gain an advantage over you in the family law case. If he also is trying to convince your ju- uh, your child 
to make statements and to testify against you, that alone can be a basis for you to gain custody of the child or the children. If a parent is found under the family code in California, if a parent is found trying to influence the child against the, parent, the other parent untruthfully, um, uh, that's a basis for the judge to change custody. So that's something that you should be talking to your attorney about when you're getting ready to prepare for this hearing. Now, would proving that be very difficult? Because this is what's happening. No, it's not very difficult. I mean, it's daughter, not a slam dunk. My daughter dunk, made but, a false you know. report um, to the police saying that I locked her in a bathroom. And they came to my apartment and they came and looked. There's no lock whatsoever on the bathroom door. And, um, you know, not to get into too many details, but, I mean, this is like one example something that had happened and he had my daughter call while he was with her you know and 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 she told me and my husband that she didn't know why but it you know that it wasn't true how and old I is know, your daughter you know i know that they're being influenced how old is your daughter she's 10 years old and i have an eight-year-old okay. so <clears throat> Okay, so this is something you should definitely be talking to your attorney about and trying to turn the tables on the father. You know, if he and his attorney subpoenaed the social worker, it could really backfire on them because the judge can now will be able to see that these allegations that someone keeps calling about are unfounded. And the judge might believe in the back of his or her mind that, you know, it's the father that's behind all of this. So it and doesn't sound like you need to be... Uh, the timing of the yeah. calls have been it, it, around our or mediation. So it's been continued for right. literally a year from from different right. calls continuing my court. Right. So don't fear, fear the social worker's testimony in this instance, but you and your attorney should be prepared. Ma'am, I want to thank you for your call and your story and your question. Keep listening to us each week. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, I'm going to take another call. Uh, it's from area code 918, ending in 43. Ending in 13, I'm sorry. Area code 918, ending in 13. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Um... I have a story to tell. Okay. Um, my daughter was, um, she wanted to go with her grandmother to Los Angeles, California, three years ago. And my daughter got detained by the social worker because we didn't have the proper document to give her medication. Um, at that time, all the proper, um, the proper um, documents were sent to the worker and everything. And the next thing you know, the worker said, no, we're not going to give your daughter back. My mom went to the court to give um, the guardianship. She had an appointment to go on Monday. On that Friday, my daughter got detained. Um, so it's been going on for three years, three years. Allegations, was, all the allegations was, um, was um, taken out except one, and it says that um, the mother is unable to provide appropriate parental care and supervision of the child due to the child's mental and emotional problems. And then it says, it states that the child was hospitalized in psychiatric facility on 616 
in 5-30-2013, which I'm the one who called because she wanted to, she wanted to harm herself because she had a knife. So after that, I haven't seen my daughter. I speak, I speak to my daughter um, face-to-face on, um, on Facebook. I write her. I text her. She has her own phone, which I give her. Um, She's been in different foster, foster group homes six times. She had different uh, workers six times. Now she has another worker, which is a special team, to um, put her in foster home, which is adoption. So they have, um, they put in her in. She was in foster home this last time. Next thing you know, they took her out because the foster mom didn't want her there. And um, now they're trying to replace her in another foster home. So um, all this has been going on for three years. I took the classes. I took everything that they needed me to take. The problem is that I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And my daughter is in Los Angeles, California. So what they, what my worker told me the other day that I was unable to fit to take care of my daughter. She, she said I was unable, and I asked her, how am I unable to not take care of my daughter? She said because I didn't have a place to stay and all the stuff. I said I do have a place to stay. I do go to school. I do have, you know, jobs and stuff like that. And she was like, well, you're not going to get or ever, ever get her back. So they're trying to give her to my brother, which he's a single man with a with a girlfriend with a 15-year-old girl. I didn't understand that. So if you're placing a child everywhere, every single time, you, why you can't replace them back with the mom, which the mom didn't do anything but to get the daughter some help. So in the statement, in the court, it doesn't say anything. So now my attorney, um, we're doing an um, appellant, superior appellant court. And um, that one hasn't um, came back yet. And uh, But all the, um, all the denial, um, I have five denials also. So they, they keep denying the 388 motion. They've been denied five times. So my question is, um, if you trying to, if you, if you getting help for your daughter, because she asked, why would they detain the child? I think it should be a law. The parents should not be accountable for something that is trying to help their kid. I think the state is, is accountable because they detained the person. And from the, from the three years, my daughter hasn't been the same. My daughter's getting D's, F. She, um, she's not good in the group home. She just always have emotional, you know, emotional thing because they took her away from me and my mom. And, um... I believe that they just don't want to give her back because I'm in another state. And they've said that multiple times. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to. So it's nothing that I could do. And what do they want me to do? What can they do? And I asked them, and they was like, it's nothing I could do for you. So they treat me like, you know, like mm-hmm. I am a bad parent because people do call. And people call constantly, like every five minutes for no reason. You know, people should be accountable for their own actions, whether you're a worker, a lawyer, an attorney, a parent. I understand that in case by case, but with my case, it's very different. It's very difficult, and no one understands. No one takes un- under my wings with this. You know, it's just really sad that parents have to um, get separated from their own mom, from their own family. You get separated from your own family, and the workers they do tell the kids, you know, that it's your mom's fault. They do tell them that because my daughter tells me this all the time. She don't want to be there. She's been asking to come home, and they won't let her. They said, no, 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 it's always an excuse. And she always, you know, she's just very, very upset because she, she wants to come home and they won't let her come home. Now they're trying to put her with my brother yeah. in, in, in San yeah. Diego. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you know, yes. Ma'am, hold on a second, hold on a second. You say you live in Oklahoma and your child's in California? Yes. Have you ever been to California inside the courtroom? 
Um, I went to California in May when um, the attorney told me, come get your daughter because uh, we're going to release her to you. So I said, okay, well, I'll be there in a minute. I finished all my classes and stuff like that. So I went in May. No, I went in June. I'm sorry. I went in June. Wait, no, I'm sorry. I went in May, and I stayed there to June. I stayed there for like a month and a half. I did um, visitation with my daughter. They gave me monitor visitations all the time, all the time. So I didn't mind that. I don't care. You know, that's my daughter still. And all we do when we see each other, we just cry. You can't help that emotion. You know, you cannot help that emotion. So it's nothing that I can do. I tell my daughter I can't do nothing for her. I do see her, like, face-to-face because we do FaceTime. And she does call me because I do give her a phone. And I do give her things so she could get in touch with me. But they they tell her, you know, your mom haven't done anything. You know, you're not going to come home because your mom. So they're always making us switch with each other. So. I don't know, you know. Okay, hold on a second. If, hold, if, on. hold on, hold on. Ma'am, do you have yes. a pen and a piece of paper? I want yes, you to I write do. this telephone number down, okay? Okay. Triple eight, triple eight, six five eight two. Eight 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 six five eight two. Okay. After the show, after the show ends at um nine o'clock. Call that number about nine fifteen, nine thirty. Okay. The secretary will answer and I want you to book an appointment over the phone or via Skype. Skype is free for us to talk more in detail about your case. Yes. Because from what you've told me, um I think a great injustice may have been done you. And I might be able to help you, um, but I'll have to talk to you more in detail, and I'll have to review documents in your case file. But we'll talk about all of that when you make the appointment. Okay? Okay. And tell the secretary, hold on, tell the secretary that you talked to me today on the radio and that I wanted you to make an appointment for tomorrow, Sunday. Okay? Because I really would like to talk to you about this. As soon as possible. I want to thank you for calling from Oklahoma about your California case. And I look yes. forward to speaking with you tomorrow, ma'am. Okay? okay? And keep listening to our radio show every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. Thank you. I will. Bye-bye. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. That's an incredible story. Um lady sends her daughter here from Oklahoma to visit with the grandmother, ends up in CPS slash DCFS custody. And what did she say? Three and a half years she hasn't seen her daughter? Unbelievable. Something's wrong with that case. All right, the next caller I'm going to take is from area code 808, ending in 42. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. I'm again calling from Hawaii. Did you have? You're calling from Hawaii. Yes, I. Yes, and you've spoken with me a few times on the radio. I will just relate my situation, and and maybe you can talk about it with with the people so that they can get some advice. I. Went to court yesterday, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm a little bit, I'm I'm actually very very drained and very exhausted because I'm fighting these people, and 
they're just beating the crap out of me and my kids. I've been having to represent myself because I've gone through just about, well, Hawaii is a very small pool. And all of the state-appointed attorneys that I've had, I've had about three to four of them, have not done anything to help my case at all. They've basically just tied my hands behind my back, and the time has dragged on. It's been more than three and a half years that they've been torturing me and my kids. And I finally got to the point that I had to figure out how to represent myself. I um, recently had a private attorney, but I think that she was just so overwhelmed with my case and everything that they're trying to do that she just couldn't couldn't handle it. And, and so here I am again back in the position of representing myself. I filed a very hefty motion recently, and it was supposed to be heard yesterday. And after waiting the entire day to go into court, it was not heard. And it was just postponed until October 17th. So my daughter had had some very, very severe injuries, and my kids were also undergoing extreme psychological abuse from the foster parent who's forcing them to call her mama or else they put her they put my kids in time out and they have to hold their arms out in the air and go and lean against the wall, but they're not allowed to touch the wall. They have to lean into the wall and not touch the wall. So, of course, my kids don't want to, you know, they've been complying because they don't want to be put through that and they want to keep the situation in their foster care good. But it's it's just a really bad situation for my kids. The attorney general... This is this is what I want to bring up because my kids were never harmed in the first place. And I was scared out of going to trial by my first state-appointed attorney because I didn't know that the state had absolutely no evidence whatsoever. But he scared me and he told me that I needed to stipulate because I wasn't going to win. The judge hated me. And if you piss him off, he's liable to keep your kids forever. So me being scared, and he said, just do your services and get your kids back. So I thought that doing my services would be easy. And I jumped right into it, and I've been, I thought, you know, parenting classes, oh, that's so easy, I can finish those fast, and psychological profile, no problem. And as soon as I do a psychological profile, they're going to see how sane I am, and my kids are going to come right home. And no, I I took their psychological profile at Capulani Medical Center, which they own all the people over there, and they said whatever they wanted to say. And they diagnosed me with borderline personality disorder, which my psychologists have been saying that's not even a big deal. And I've been in therapy for years. They don't agree with the diagnosis. They agree with a diagnosis of depression because of not having my kids and severe depression and anxiety. And I was able to overcome that and get clinical discharges. And now they're trying to say that those discharges are no good and try and send me all the way back to the beginning and have a new psychological profile and new therapy. And I just don't, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know if, if I can, I, I tried to undo my stipulation when I found out that they had no evidence. All of the charges were dropped. It was supposedly that my kids were molested, but they weren't molested. My mom brainwashed my daughter, tricked her into saying that her peepee was touched. And I've seen the video. My sex abuse therapist has seen the video. Many people have, and they're like, oh my God, like how did your case even open? They, The police had to drop all of the charges against the, per- the supposed perpetrator, who was my boyfriend. And 
there's nothing. They have nothing. There, when she went for the examination, there was no evidence. There's, she never even said on the video, she said that her pee-pee was touched, but that was because my mom trained her and because they kept repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly asking her that. But you can tell from the video that she doesn't even understand what molestation is and that there, she wasn't molested. And are you still being represented by a private attorney? No, I'm right now I'm representing myself until I can find an attorney. The problem is in Hawaii, there's almost no good CPS attorneys or if, because it's such a small pool and they, they have to deal with these people every day. They go in the same courtroom every day. So they're all friends with each other and they don't want to rock the boat. They just play this circus game and, I don't know what to do. Is there any, can I represent myself, get, get an out of state attorney or. You know, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not familiar with uh, Hawaii law. Um, so I can't tell you if you can represent yourself or not. I know that uh, in California, um, in certain unique situations, a parent can represent themselves. And I've actually seen it a few times. And uh, a lot of people argue under federal law, which would include Hawaii, that you have the constitutional right to, um, you know, represent yourself. But again, I don't know uh, the law in Hawaii, so I couldn't tell you whether you can or you can't. I could tell you that if you were in California, uh, you know, you could possibly represent yourself. And in California, what I've seen um, several times, as a matter of fact, the person represents themselves but has an attorney to, quote, unquote, assist them in the procedural and evidentiary rules. But the person is actually representing themselves with a court-appointed assisted attorney. Um, you can hire uh, an out-of-state attorney. Uh, the out-of-state attorney would have to apply to uh, the judge in Hawaii to appear what's called pro hoc vice to try to uh, represent uh, you in that in the state of Hawaii. For example, I've represented a person in Illinois. And uh, I went to Illinois Federal Court in Chicago, and I applied pro hoc vice, and the judge approved me to represent a person in an Illinois case. I've also represented a person uh, pro hoc vice in Nevada, in Las Vegas. Uh, I was approved uh, by the judge there. So you can get an attorney out of state to go to Hawaii and apply for pro hoc vice status. Um, but, you know, I, I just have to warn you, it'd probably be very expensive, just the cost of, you know, flying back and forth in the hotels and the rent-a-car. And um, mm -hmm. that's why you should probably focus your uh, search for an attorney uh, there in Hawaii. And if not on the island that you're on, perhaps, you know, search uh, around the surrounding islands. Uh, you know, Google knows all, so um, I don't know if you've been searching on Google, but I would encourage oh, yes. you to keep um, keep searching and keep looking for an attorney there in Hawaii, uh, unless you you know have a lot of money that you want to spend on an attorney from uh, you know from the mainland uh, to travel there and to do your case, which is also possible. It's just a matter of time and money. Ma'am, I want to thank you again for calling us, uh, and please mm -hmm. keep listening to our show. By the way, what time? Hey, it's well, almost 9 o'clock here in California. What time is it there in Hawaii? This show starts at 5 o'clock here, so sometimes I miss it because I 
don't wait, hear my alarm. But um, one other thing, they replaced the DHS attorney with the attorney general yesterday on my case. Really? And yes, that, I think that, that they're. I think there's something very, very odd with my case. I mean, I noticed her. She's come and sat in the courtroom several times, especially when because I haven't had a trial and I've been asking for one for years now, and they're refusing to give me a trial because they've now filed to terminate my rights, and they keep telling me that that's the trial that you're going to get, and I'm like. Well, I haven't had a trial on the charges yet, and I tried to unstipulate, and I've been fighting to try and still get my original trial that they have not given me. And so with the motion that I recently filed, they decided, and the DHS attorney was a shark. I mean, he was really good, but I I wonder why they replaced him with, with the actual attorney general, and she's now taken over my case. Yeah, they may be worried about you possibly um, suing them. I I don't know. I mean, that's just a wild guess. I know that's a very unusual situation. If it happened here in California, it's usually because of some type of conflict of interest. Um, I've actually made a couple motions over my career about disqualifying the local uh you know, county council's office um, and appointing the uh, the uh, state attorney general. And in some cases, they do uh, disqualify the county council's office, and, but they have a private attorney who comes in and represents the social workers. Uh, he's a former uh, attorney who represented social workers for the county council's office. Uh, and he's very skilled, very professional. Uh, and that happens when the county has a con- the county council's office has a conflict of interest. So there, there may be some type of conflict of interest, but that's something you're going to have to discuss with a local attorney. Ma'am, I'm running out of time, and I want to thank you again for calling. Keep listening. Goodbye. We have about 90 seconds left in the show, and there was something else I wanted to tell the listeners. Um, and that, something else is very very important is happening on Monday in our court system. At the main criminal courthouse in Los Angeles on Temple, um, something I think probably for the first time ever in Los Angeles, if not in California, is going to be happening at the Clarence FOLTZ Criminal Justice Center located at 210 West Temple, Los Angeles, California, 90012. Uh, On that day, uh, four county social workers are going to face arraignment uh, and the scheduling of a preliminary hearing. They are four county social workers in Los Angeles are being criminally prosecuted by the district attorney's office for apparently some type of negligence and or lying in social worker reports uh, that were filed with the court, two men and two women. Uh, uh, their actions or inactions on a case apparently or allegedly led to the death of a child named Gabriel. Um, So before you go to Sean's case, check that case out, and we'll see you next week on the radio.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.